Sam Lane and Matt Williams. Hitting the ground running, talking about America's pastime. It's twice as nice. It's the Turn 2 Podcast. My oh my. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turned two in a day, but the lace isn't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The X flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third, cause I want to win first. How am I to put all of these numbers to words? I know the terms from A to Z, it's like a gift and a curse. I know the difference between a splitter and a curb, but if I can't put it in the points, man, then what's it worth? I need the truth. I need knowledge. Found this podcast with all of it, but what they call it? Turn two. Turn two. What it do? Win leaps. Catch out. Catch out. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn 2 Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Williams, joined by uh, my, my buddy Sam Lane. Like always, what's going on, Sam? Hello, friends. Uh, it's another week closer to baseball, and I'm really excited. Yep. We're doing the starting pitcher breakdown, which is a little late in the game for this. We know we uh, got started a little late. The uh, The regular season actually starts this week in those games in Japan. Uh, not that you know, a lot of leagues aren't even counting them, or if they do, you still draft afterwards. Like we're having the listeners' league next Saturday. The official opening day is next week. But um, so we are going to uh, break down some starting pitchers. We're going to get to all of them, meaning we're not going to have break this up into two parts like we should. We're going to be skipping over some of the names that don't need explaining. If we think their ADP is off or their value is off, we'll mention it. But we're just going to hit on the guys we think needs mentioning. So we're going to kick it off right at the top. Uh, like usual, we're using NFBC ADP for the Champions League. Um, number one overall starting pitcher, Max Scherzer. You know, that's kind of where he should be. You know, he, he brings you the strikeouts. Uh a little more strikeouts than Jacob DeGrom is going to. So, you know, he's earned his spot as the number one starting pitcher. Jacob DeGrom, number two. Uh, I have no argument with that. Do you have any argument with that, Sam? Not at all. I mean, DeGrom was far and away the best pitcher last year. Scherzer's just consistency. I mean, look up consistency in the dictionary, and there's Max uh, Max Scherzer. Good Lord. It's funny if you say consistency. The guy at number three, who some people have at number two, is Chris Sale. Um you know, his whole thing is he is actually incredibly consistent. And when you draft him, he's going to be a Cy Young pitcher out of the gate. But um, he's had issues um, battling down the stretch, wearing down. Um, he had a little bit of a velocity dip last year down the stretch. He only ended up pitching 150 innings. You know, he's kind of a he's kind of a smaller guy. Or early in his career, a lot of people thought that this would, would happen to him. But... Um, now you got to be wondering maybe how many innings you can get out of Chris Sale. Not how well is he going to pitch um, during the year. I mean, he's still going to be great. The skills are there. It's just a matter of, you know, is he just going to keep wearing down and wearing down and when's it finally going to get to him? And where he's going right now, 13th overall, I I, I kind of just cross him off my board because he never really falls in drafts. But I'm not spending a premium spot on him. So I find myself just completely passing on Chris sale because even though he's phenomenal, uh, 
there's just a little bit of risk attached to him that I'm not willing to attach to my attach to my team. I I mean, it's been kind of noted that in August and September he kind of falls off, like you said, uh, especially in the last couple of seasons. And I mean, he, his he's his throwing motion so wacky that it it kind of concerns me much like Tim Lincecum. It's not nearly as bad as Tim Lincecum, but. Yeah, I I mean maybe he's a good guy to get and then sell middle of the season as he's dominating, but yeah, I, I think I agree that I'm skipping over him as well. Yeah, I mean hey, hardly anyone's better when they're healthy, but you know health is a huge thing. Which brings us to number four, Justin Verlander, uh, a guy you don't really have to worry about. I mean he had that downtime in his career. He reinvented himself. He came back better than ever. He probably could have won the Cy Young last year. A lot of people thought he should have. I thought Blake Snell deserved it. Uh, Metric-wise, there's nothing to suggest Verlander will fall off. He should have another terrific year heading into free agency. And I'm thinking anyone that is uh, capable of going into free agent a free agency year and uh, just bulldogging it out to get a big payday, it's Justin Verlander. But remember, he is up there in age, and you do got to worry about that um, – you know, it's 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 tough to draft scared, but when you're investing early in these early rounds, it is something you have to consider. He actually had his best season since 2013, 2012, in terms of um, advanced metrics, those saber metrics. Mm-hmm. Um, his xFIP was 303, which is fantastic. His uh, let me look up his Sierra real quick. Sierra was 263, so his advanced metrics looked fantastic last season at the age of 35. So maybe, I mean, maybe he just became a better pitcher. Like, he he relied a ton on his power with the Tigers, and maybe he just became a good pitcher um, with the Astros. And as much as I do worry, well, I, and I don't worry that much, but – there is an age factor here, but he still pitched 214 innings last season, mm-hmm. and it doesn't look like he's slowing down at any point in time. So he he kind of is up there with Max Scherzer in terms of uh, consistency. Yeah, I actually uh, – I mentioned the age thing. I, I have no problem drafting Justin Verlander. I, I'm actually I, – I think I mentioned – yeah, I'm on the side of I think in a contract year, he'll be going out there uh, trying to prove something like always, uh, you know, I like him more than his teammate, Garrett Cole. I know a lot of people are overdrafting him quite a bit based on his one good year. But, you know, Justin Verlander has done this year after year after year. And, um, yeah, if I'm going to attach myself to a starting pitcher, I'd rather than get Chris Sale around 10, 13. I'll wait wait a half a round to a round, grab Justin Verlander at 20. Uh, His his teammate, Garrett Cole, is interesting too. He's going right after him uh, in NFPC around 24. Um, unbelievable year, 12.4 K per nine, um, 36% ground ball rate though. I mean, you know, he is a fly ball pitcher, but a 288 ERA with a 27 FIP and a 304 X FIP. So pretty much across the board, pretty legitimate. Um, 12.4 K per nine. I mean, he had the big thing, you know, they talked about with the spin rate, Trevor Bauer, um, famously accused the Houston, the Houston uh, entire uh, the entire Houston Astros team of cheating and using different things to get extra RPM on the ball, uh, but whatever it is, uh, Garrett Cole is doing it. He pitched you know 200 innings the last couple of years, 
Uh, but when he went to the Astros, just something clicked. Uh, like I said, the RPMs, the spin rate on his off-speed stuff is just off the charts. I'm not sure what to make of him going forward because he's only done this before. He used to be um, total ground ball pitcher, around around 50%. And last year, again, only 36%. Uh, he was uh, getting the ball uh, up in the air quite a bit more. I mean, 2017, 33%. Last year, 42%. So he just he kind of switched from ground ball to fly ball to pitcher. Um, he got the hard hit rate is about the same. Um, if anything, he got hit a little harder last year because he was getting getting to put up in the air. But the, the main thing with him is uh, the strikeouts. Um, his, his career strikeout rates, 9.3, 9.6, 8.5, 9.5. Last year, 14.1. Uh, increased his O swing from 27 to 32. So completely different pitcher. So, I mean, for anyone who's being skeptical, he just looks, he just flat out looks like um, he is just a totally elite pitcher. Um, he got rid of this crappy sinker he used to throw, and now he's just throwing some of the other off-speed stuff that he has a lot more, and he just changed up his entire philosophy, and it's paid off for him. So, uh, Garrett Cole around 24, I think, is uh, right around where he should be going. And I don't think anyone should be afraid of a, like a one-year fluke. Uh, I'm afraid of a one-year fluke. <laughs> what about well, and Well, so we, we talk about this with hitters that we see these. I mean, and, and not to take away from Garrett Cole, he was a good pitcher before he went to, the, to Houston. And maybe he did reinvent himself. But we talk about this with hitters is – when you see kind of an idea of what their career is like. Um, so his uh, ex FIP and Sierra were mid threes to low fours. Um, and then this last season, his ex FIP went to um, sorry, three Oh four. So just around three and his Sierra went to below three. Now you did point out that uh, he started throwing his curveball more, uh, got, got rid, rid of, of the sinker. slider and change up, or sorry, the sinker and the change up. Um, and maybe that's, that's what it is started. Um, well, I mean, he's thrown his fastball around the same percentage, but yeah, started throwing slider, started throwing curve, got rid of the sinker, got rid of the change up. And maybe that just changed who he was. Maybe the Astros uh, pitching staff just decided, yeah, we're not throwing that anymore. Well, I think there's one thing when he was always in Pittsburgh, everyone could see how good he could be. And it was always like, what's wrong with this guy? Why can't he make the next step? And the Astros just helped him do it. Um, you know, a spin rate or not, he just looks like a different pitcher. And I think skepticism's built into his ADP. He's going around 24. When you really, if you're going to expect the numbers he gave you last year, he should be much higher. <laughs> so, I mean, I think you are getting a little bit of a discount with Garrett Cole. Um, you know, you, any kind of any kind of worry you have is just kind of um, based on kind of based on nothing. It's just general worry. I've you know, I've only seen it once. Show me again. But he's never been a bad pitcher. I mean, in 2015, he had a two six. ERA two six six FIP three one six um, X FIP. I mean, he's shown the ability to to pitch off the charts, but now he's just like the the strikeouts are amazing. He like I said, completely reversed ground ball fly ball. He's just a different pitcher now. And if you know if this is the way he's going to continue to go, then I, I'm all for it. I mean, good enough. I I agree. I, just if it, if it was like the same. If you if he had the same pitch profile that he had before, I, I think I would 
be avoiding him, but definitely looking like he's changed in terms of what pitches he's throwing and then how those pitches are being hit. Uh, I, I think while I don't know if he'll have nearly as good of a season, I think he's still going to have a pretty good season and he's going, um, probably where he should. So yeah, I agree there. Yep. Um, next is Corey Kluber at six. Nothing much to say there. He's pretty much one of the more consistent guys there is. I will say one thing. He, he did have a career high. He gave up a career high and hard hit percentage last year, uh, up, up from 28% to 36.6%. So he was getting hit around a little harder last year. Um, but any everything else, you know, his swinging strike rate is pretty much career norm. Uh, O-swing, pretty much career norm. Uh, so, I mean, he's just – he's Corey Kluber. He's going to do his thing. Um I mean, last two years, 225 ERA, 289 ERA, uh, FIP of 2.5312. I mean, you're getting what you're getting out of him. Uh, he's Corey Kluber. <laughs> you know, uh, if the Indians fall out of it, he might be pitching for San Diego Padres. But uh, as far as anything else goes, I mean, Corey Kluber is Corey Kluber. Um, nothing really to add on him, right? Not, not at all. Uh, Aaron Nola, I wouldn't expect. Uh, I think he's going right where he should, right around 25. Perfectly fine with that. Trevor Bauer, 29, I think is actually a little low. Um, I think he's perfect, perfectly capable of jumping up to the tier we were just talking about, up there with uh, with Garrett Cole even, or what I'm expecting out of him. I mean, last year, 11.34K per nine, 221 ERA, 244 FIP, 314 XFIP. Um, you know, this guy is... His like I'm trying to look up here. Swing and strike percentage went up from nine 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 up to thirteen point three percent. O swing up from twenty five to thirty one. Um, he's very vocal about how he goes about his business. Um, if you ever watched him pitch, I mean, he, he just has amazing stuff. And I I'm not exactly sure why is it maybe it's just a little bit of a um, a little bit of an injury bake in with the ADP. Uh, since he went to the DL with a stress fracture in his leg, which you know he returned from, and his velocity was down a couple miles an hour, but um, you know he's back in the spring, everything looks fine. So I mean, I think you're looking at a Scion candidate that you can get for a pretty decent discount. I mean, I'd be fine drafting him there, right along Verlander and Cole. Granted, his home run per nine was way down. He also has never surpassed 200 innings. So, yeah, I mean, take take from that what you will. But um, he probably was a little bit more lucky this season, but he's still a good pitcher. Um, His his uh, uh, advanced uh, metrics looked great last season. Um, So while while he's not going to be an elite pitcher, he's still going to be a good pitcher. Um, I do, I do see why there's a little bit of a, a discount there. There might be a couple guys I would be taking after him, um, but you're still going to get a good pitcher who's going to give you good numbers. I don't know. I mean, I disagree a little bit. I mean, I think, I think he is elite. I think he figured out how to use his slider, um, and he started using it a lot more, which led to all those swinging strikes. I think that he got derailed a little bit by an injury, and I think this year is going to be the first year that he has everything he's been working on. And he gets to come out of the gate with it. And I think that we're just going to see uh, him just eat up the competition. I think he's going to surpass Kluber as that team's ace. And I think Trevor Bauer uh, is just one of the best buys 
in a dynasty league right now. Um, I love Trevor Bauer, and he's uh, I, I think he's one of the best values uh, early on in the draft. All right. <laughs> I mean, I guess here here's my thing. You have guys like Blake Snell, Carrasco, Syndergaard um, behind him hmm? that – the with the questions around Bauer, I mean, I'd be I'd be willing to take them over Bauer. I mean, I would I would be fine skipping the entire first first uh, ten pitchers almost, or you know, first five to six pitchers, and trying to land two of this group. I mean, you you just named them all: Bauer, Snell, Carrasco, Noah Syndergaard. I would love. You know, depending on where you are in the draft and, uh, you know, how you can make that work. You know, an auction, you can do whatever you want. But in a snake draft, I would love to pick up two of those guys because uh, I think they're all aces. Uh, you know, Bauer, Snell, Carrasco, Syndergaard, I think they're all ace pitchers. I would love to end up with Bauer and and Thor. That would be like an ideal start uh, for, for a draft for me after taking a, a hitter in round one. So, I mean, that would work for me. <laughs> I'll let you have Bauer. <laughs> I'll take Bauer. Okay. All right. Uh, next guy up on the list is Blake Snell. Uh, I don't have any worries about him repeating this because um, I think there was only a couple of analysts uh, who who really called his Scion season. I was one of them. I mean, I know people that don't like people like their own two thrown horns. There's someone else. Uh, I can't think of his name. He's from Fantrax. Um, he writes a blog. I'll think of his name before the end of the show because I want to give him credit. But me and him called Blake Snell. I mean, we were all over the changes he made. um, And he pitched the way we expected to. So I'm expecting more of the same this year. Uh, You know, their team is going to be a little bit better. So that should help out, you know, make everything a little less stressful for him. But, you know, he's going around 29 and I'm perfectly fine with that. Anything to add on Blake Snell? I mean, he just won Cy Young. So it's kind of crazy that he's going ninth as a pitcher, but I mean, there's a lot of guys, again, I would take him above Trevor Bauer probably, but beyond that, I, a lot of the guys ahead of him can't really complain. So, uh, Blake Snell at, I mean, what was it? Pick like 30. Yeah. Is a pretty, pretty, uh, good deal. If you ask me. Um, all right. Well, that leads us into Carlos Carrasco. Another one of my absolute favorite guys, um, in this draft, he last year, if you look at uh, every single one of the aces, uh, if you if you try to look at Sierra, people that are walking few guys, striking out guys, um, Carrasco lines up on every single list that you'd really want him to. Um, the only thing is consistent health concerns, and that is the the big thing with Carlos Carrasco. But um, he did just throw two hundred innings in in uh, twenty seventeen. And then 192 innings last year. So that is a little behind in both years, 10K per nine in both of them. 329 ERA, 338 ERA, 310 FIP, 294 FIP. I mean, why is this guy going around 35? He is uh he is consistent. He has proven back-to-back years he can go 200 innings. And uh, he's pitching for a pretty decent team. Last year, his, K- his swinging strike rate was 15.3. I mean, the last three years, 12, then 13.4, then 15.3. He has a O-swing, 36.6%. He really does, like you disagree with me on Bauer, I think he belongs right up there with Kluber, if maybe not um, right there with him. 
I, I don't think there's any reason that uh, he should be being drafted this far behind. And uh, I just absolutely love this tier. Bauer, Snell, Carrasco, Syndergaard. They're all aces being drafted like they're not them. And Carlos Carrasco falls in drafts because he doesn't have like, I don't know, sexy name or, uh, you know, kind, uh, you know the awards or, you know, he's considered the third best pitcher on his own team. But uh, he has he has Scion Canada written all over him. And I wouldn't shock me if he had a big breakout year and, He's a he's a steal for me. I I like any, ending up with him in every draft. I think I agree here. Um, he took a step forward this year, and you, you talked about it. His O swing jumped back to where it normally was from uh, the previous season. Swinging strike was up. Um, his contact was or his uh, uh con- or uh, sorry his yeah his contact was down. But like you said, his his peripherals. I mean, the Sierra was three around was three oh three, FIP and uh, XFIP were below uh, three. So and and he had a three three eight ERA, and he could have been better, which is kind of crazy to think about. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree, and um, I I think he's the only reason he's down here is because he is the quote unquote third best uh, pitcher on his team, but arguably he could be the best pitcher on this team at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, next guy's Walker Bueller, which I mean, he's obviously everyone is discounting what he did because he's a rookie. Uh, he was a rookie last year and Everyone wants to know if like, he can do it again. Jack Flaherty's another guy, but he actually does have some red flags, what we'll talk about in a little bit. But what do you think about Walker Buehler? I mean, it's funny. If if it wasn't for the the mashers um, playing, you know, Soto and Acuna, this guy would run away with a Rookie of the Year award in any other uh, year. But, um, yeah, it, it being the year it was, he just get, didn't uh, didn't get the votes, didn't get the respect. If – if you haven't picked up my pattern by now, I look a lot at the um, peripherals. So FIP, XFIP, Sierra. <laughs> That's how I kind of judge how well a pitcher or how good of a pitcher uh, is. So, I mean, Sierra was 331, XFIP 321, FIP 304, ERA was 262. So uh, you got a little bit luckier than uh, normal. But, I mean, even then, like when you're putting up those type of peripherals, you're a good player, and he still went eight and five, so that kind of tells you what he was dealing with. I, I mean, as a rookie, so he's what twenty four, pitching one hundred thirty seven innings. He is the second best pitcher on that team. Um, we'll see what Clayton Kershaw can do, but if if Kershaw can't stay healthy, I think Bueller becomes the ace of that staff. Yeah, I I, know, I I love the kid. I think he's great. He looked good in the minors. He came up 32.6% O-swing, 11% swing strike percentage. I think he can actually do a little better than that. That's not bad or any, by any stretch of the imagination. He's got himself a 50% ground ball rate, which in the minors he actually uh, did a lot better than that. Triple uh, A, even 60%. Uh, so... I mean, there's a few things. Uh, he got hit around a little harder in the majors, which, you know, it's the major leagues. They're going to hit everything harder. But everything I'm looking at from what I've watched him pitch in the minors, I've actually seen him live, and what I've seen him do in the majors, I think there's actually a little bit left on the table. Some people are thinking that maybe he's due to regress in like a sophomore slump. There's actually plenty for me to see that I think that he could be due for a little bit of a, of a step up. You know, you had the 248 
batting average for balls in play, which people will point at that maybe he's due um, for a little bit of uh, negative regression. But um, I think he's going to be more comfortable in the majors. You know, he's got the first year out of the way. He's going to get to come in right out of the gate uh, as part of the squad. And I'm expecting a big year out of him. I mean, uh, before before last year, though, the only thing in, in 2017, he pitched, it looks like, what, 50, 70, maybe 80 innings. Um, and then last year he pitched a hundred and thirty. Yeah, overall in the minor leagues, like a hundred and fifty innings. So I mean, you know, you sometimes worry about like large jumps in innings. So I mean, they'll give him another bump up to like you know one whatever one eighty this year, one ninety. Um, so you don't know how how that'll be. You know, the Dodgers are very weird about that stuff, but. I'm not worried about uh, Walker Buehler's uh, from all of the uh, the rookie pitchers. Jack Flaherty has some red flags. We'll talk about him. But Walker Buehler, as far as the rookies go, I think he's fine, and I'm perfectly fine taking him right around where he's going. I Some people think he's being drafted too high, which it's possible. There's a guy being drafted 10 spots later um, that is uh, pretty rock solid, in my opinion, that, you know, there's actually two guys here after him, I'd probably rather draft because there's no red flags as far as I'm concerned. But Walker Buehler, I'm fine with him going 36. Yep, I'm good too. Uh, next up is Noah Syndergaard. Um, I actually do not think we need to talk about this. I mean, either people believe in Noah Syndergaard or they don't. Here's the thing. I am a Mets fan, so I can tell you two things. One, I am biased. But two, I am also a realist. I mean, I've lived through Generation K, Generation, you know, Jason Isringhausen, Bill Pulsifer, Bob, you know, Wilson, we, Paul Wilson. We were supposed to have this group of pitchers that were supposed to just be the best rotation ever. All got injured, never happened, devastating. I mean, I've lived through this stuff. I mean, we saw what just happened with Matt Harvey. He was like the best pitcher in baseball, like the best. And now he's just the shell of himself. But we have. Noah Syndergaard, Jacob DeGrom, Zach Wheeler, they are very legitimate. And the, the knock on Noah Syndergaard is can he keep it together? Can he not get injured? Let me tell you about some of these injuries. He is not even injured half the time he is quote-unquote injured. The Mets have had some very bad season recently, and they shut him down for the sake of why bother pitching him. He's gotten shut down on for certain times where he would pitch through things he, or they would be overly um you know, overly dramatic with some things and, and try to try to try to baby him a little bit. Like he's had some weird like foot and mouth disease. He's had some weirdo things happen to him. But as far as any kind of structural issues, um, all the, the like the, the dings and nicks and weird um, him being shut down has to do with them not wanting to push the envelope with a young arm that they didn't have to in a season that meant nothing. Uh, so. Take that with a grain of salt. It is coming from a Mets fan, but I follow pretty closely. Uh, so I am not worried about uh, Noah Syndergaard as far as a workload. I think he has the stuff. I mean, he has the best fastball in baseball. He has the best changeup in baseball. As far as velocity, this guy is bringing it consistently faster than anyone in baseball for a starting pitcher. And, I mean, hey, guess what, everyone? He's better than Jacob deGrom. <laughs> you want to you wanna compare to two people? Noah Syndergaard is better than Jacob DeGrom. Jacob DeGrom knows how to pitch. And he has uh he works on his craft and his mechanics and he's getting better and better and better. And he knows how to he knows how to game plan. Noah Syndergaard's kind of a go out there and destroy you kind of guy, but he is learning. Uh and when he goes out there and has a full season, 
uh, with him just like doing his thing. I mean, he's going to mow people down. Like he's a destroy you type guy. And if you watched him in spring training, he looks strong. He looks like he's ready to go. Um, Noah Syndergaard at 37 is, again, one of the mega steals in the draft. Carrasco at 34, Noah Syndergaard going around 37 is the 10th and 12th pitchers. They should be right up there with Garrett Cole and Corey Kluber. Aaron Nola, definitely above Aaron Nola, in my opinion. So, I mean, Noah Syndergaard, take him, take it to the bank, draft him, win a championship. So I, I there's nothing else I can really add here. I mean, the dude when when he's on the mound is about as dominant as any pitcher in the league. I mean, his his peripherals are fantastic. You don't see his peripherals go above like 3.2 ever on FIP, XFIP, uh Sierra. The the dude is a dominant pitcher. He just needs to stay healthy. Um and by and I'm going to I'm going to defer to the Mets fan and and I would be taking him. I would be taking a chance um, on him in round three, round four there, because if you get a healthy center guard who can pitch two hundred innings, you're going to have probably one of the steals of the draft. Yep. And right after him is Patrick Corbin, who this is where I consider the center guard is where I consider the end of the Cy Young candidates. I think everyone mentioned before them has it in them to be a Cy Young candidate. Patrick Corbin, I'm not sure of, but I do believe in Patrick Corbin. I don't think he gets the res- the respect he deserves. We talked about this in an earlier episode. You know, he had that great start. A lot of people predicted him to have a good year last year. There was plenty in 2017 for everyone to expect him to, to break out in 2018, and that's what happened. But a lot of people didn't expect him to break out in the degree that he did. I mean, he was just one of the best pitchers in baseball. Uh, and then he fell off the uh, the rails a little bit, and people just forgot about him. Uh, maybe in fantasy or, or or if you didn't follow the Diamondbacks. Um, but he actually ended the year strong. All of his peripherals were actually stronger in the second half. All of them. He was a better pitcher in the second half. Uh, he ended the year. I, I think he he ended up yeah ending the year with a 4.03 ERA. Uh, but or no no with a 3.15 3.15 ERA 2.47 FIP 2.67 xFIP. Um, 11.07 K per nine. I mean, this guy was just unbelievably in fuego for the Diamondbacks. And now he's moved over to the Nationals where he's going to have a much better team around him. Um, he does get to face the Marlins a whole bunch of times, but, you know, he does have to, to face the Phillies and the Braves and the Mets, which, you know, is probably a little easier than um, where he was in Arizona. But uh, it just depends on how you believe if he if the changes he made were legitimate and i completely believe that they are um i mean he he just what is it here he had a swinging strike rate swinging strike rate of nearly 30% i mean that is just like that's just completely ridiculous for a guy going an nfpc going around 46 again aaron nola 25 um Corey Kluber, 24. This guy is going 46th. I mean, for some reason, people think this guy is going to have a big big step backwards because he was a non-superstar name that had a superstar year. But he has one of the best sliders in baseball that can completely wipe you out. Uh, And he mixes in his four-seamer and sinker. 
and he can just keep you off balance and he is so underrated. So, I mean, I'd like to throw him in that ace tier. Um, he just doesn't have maybe the stuff that some of the other guys do because they're the completely like hall of fame level wipeout stuff. But Patrick Corbin has three very good pitches and knows how to use them. So I, uh, I think he's a very underrated pitcher at uh, 46. And if you miss out on, uh, getting one of the earlier guys and Corbin slips, just take him and say, thank you. I, I love Corbin this year. So Corbin started using his sinker more and his slider more last season and stopped using his changeup, reduced his four seamer and the results speak for themselves. I mean, his ERA was the lowest it's been since 2015. Uh, his, his peripherals is FIP, X, his FIP was 247. His ex-FIP was 261. Uh, his Sierra was 291. The guy had a monster season. And I think much like um, – who are we talking about? Uh, <laughs> Bauer? I can't even remember. Can't remember who we were talking about. Regardless, he changed his pitching style and it – uh, and it had great results. I mean, his his home runs per nine dropped. His home run uh, to fly ball ratio dropped. I, I think mixing that sinker in more and that slider in more and reducing the um, changeup and fastball definitely helped him. And he's going. I think he's if he continues that trend, which if you actually look at um, his pitching trends. He used his sinker and his his sinker a lot more in 2015, and actually that was probably the best year before this past season, um, before he got injured. But that was his best season before 28 or 2017, or sorry, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he started using that sinker more again. He started using that slider, so he's starting to use those move movement pitches again. And I mean he had the best season he's had of his career. Yeah. And uh, Cy Young, um, like you said, some of the guys from last year, Oh, swing. Uh, Justin Vernon Anders last year was 34.6. Pretty good. Uh, Corey Kluber, 35%. Max Scherzer, 35.8%. Carlos Carrasco, 36.6%. And the Cy Young winner, Jacob deGrom, 37.9%. Patrick Corbin led the league. He was better than all of them at 38%. Uh, oh, swing. That is like him throwing the ball outside of the strike zone and getting people, getting fools to swing at it. That is a, a good indicator of quality of stuff. And that is what Patrick Corbin has. He signed his mega contract. He's in, you know, he's staying in the National League, gets to play the Marlins a bunch. I mean, I just, he, he's, he's, a, he's a really good pitcher and people are treating him. Uh, like he's just some fluke, and he is not. He is very good. All right, next pitcher is pa- James Paxton. I I don't know what I make about this. I, I am not drafting him anywhere. I mean, he always definitely has injury risk just tattooed on his forehead, and now he's pitching in one of the worst divisions to pitch in, arguably. Everyone brings that up, but he obviously does not have to face his own team, and his own team is a pretty big problem. But he does have to play the Red Sox. Um, you know, the uh, we'll see if the, the Blue Jays can ever get their stuff together. The Rays aren't too bad. Um, what do you make of James Paxton joining the New York Yankees? So, 
I mean, each, each of the last two seasons, he's been fine. Uh, let me look up the park factor because I believe that New York Yankees Stadium is one of the worst to pitch in. Isn't well, it? it's definitely a worse place to pitch in from Safeco or wherever, you know, the pink building they're in now. Yeah, so the park factor for 2018, they were ranked sixth. Um, I'm just passing by stuff. And T-Mobile Park now, as the the pink, well, I, I don't know what we're going to call that because it's going to turn dirty real quickly. Um, <laughs> it was ranked 27th. So he's definitely going to a more hitter-friendly park. Um, but uh, being a, a lefty, maybe mitigates that a tiny bit just because he doesn't have to deal with that short porch nearly as much in right field. But I mean, my biggest thing is his, he pitched the most innings of his career last season at 160. Previously pitched 136 and 121. Is he going to, is he going to eat innings? I don't know. But I mean, when, when he's out there, he looks great. I mean, his like I, his peripherals all hover around um, high twos to low threes in terms of FIP, XFIP, and Sierra. Um, every once in a while, he gets unlucky. Last season, he was a little bit unlucky with a three seven six ERA, three seven nine in um, twenty sixteen. Like when he's out there, he's great. Uh, but his home run to fly ball ratio last year jumped a little bit. Um, obviously his home runs per nine jumped a little bit, uh, his swinging strike rate, uh, I'm going to look this up, um, was actually higher. His O swing was higher. Uh, so it's kind of a mixed bag for me, I guess. Like he looks like a great pitcher, but can he actually eat innings is the big question for me. Well, here's the thing. Like he has three unbelievable, he has, he has the four seamer. Um, he's a big curveball and a really, really good cutter. He had um in limited in limited time, he didn't qualify. He had a twenty-two percent swinging strike rate and fifty percent O swing, which are like monster numbers for those pitches. Um and he, he can pitch to uh eat to either either side of the plate. The big issue with him is he like he makes he misses. Um he'll leave a ball out over the plate and get hammered. Uh, he had a 14.5% home run to fly ball rate. Not by accident. This guy leaves meatballs over the plate. And if you're going to do that in Yankee Stadium, you're going to be in for a little bit of pain. Um, but by by the way, uh, if you guys haven't checked out Baseball Savant, it's pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can look at like the meatball percentage on uh, Baseball Savant, the ma- meatball swing percentage as well. Um <laughs> And that's pretty phenomenal. But yeah, like you said, his meatball percentage was up last season as well. And I don't really know what the, a good number is, but 9% seems pretty high to for uh, to leave over the plate. 9% of your pitches. Yeah. So. I mean, so here, this is why he's outside of the elite tier. He has elite stuff. He's going to a park that is actually going to put a magnifying glass on his biggest fault, the home run. So... I mean, you're gonna if you get him, you're gonna get him around around 52. He's not an ace, but he definitely could be. I mean, if he alleviate, you know, if he takes a step forward, uh, if he alleviates some of the long ball concerns, you could be you could be getting quite the discount there. So, 
you know, you're going to get some flaws in guys from here on out. So I have no problem taking Paxton. He's going around 52. Um, but, you know, just know that there's there's reason for concern here. So, But there, there's a lot of interesting guys going forward. So if you can get another hitter you like around there, just know that, uh, you know, Paxton, you know, he could be in for a little bit of a – a little bit of pain in the Bronx. Maybe he has to learn to pitch differently there. Maybe he just takes a big step forward and all of a sudden he's the Scion Canada everyone wants to see. We'll see if he can get up to 180 innings, 200 innings this year, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, next guy up is Jack Flaherty, which I know I had just alluded to a little bit earlier when we were talking about... You got you to gotta say it like in an Irish accent. <laughs> Flaherty. <laughs> Flaherty. Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty. He um, had a 3-3-4 ERA, everybody, a 3-8-6 FIP, and a 3-5-8 XFIP. Not too bad. Um, 10.8 K per nine after uh, in AAA having 11.65 K per nine. A little higher than um, his uh, the pedigree had shown in the minors. He, he had been more of an 8, 8 or 9 guy. But still, um, you know, he's taking a step forward. Young guy. Um, his uh, batting average for balls in play was 257. Assuredly will go up, but he did have a 15, uh, 15, 15.2% home run to fly ball ratio. Nothing too crazy. Um, he didn't get hit around too bad. Um, everything else from his minor league numbers pretty much worked its way out. Uh, in the majors, he, he gave up a little more home runs than I think that uh, he wanted to. Uh, in the minors, he didn't really give up too many. So, um, swing strike rate, 13%, O swing around 30. So, you know, what, what you see there is pretty solid numbers, um, out of, uh, out of, uh, Jack Flaherty, uh, he had, you know, he had a 30% strikeout rate over his first 150 frames or so, uh, and then, I'm just trying to look up uh, some of his uh, his different. I know I had something I wanted to say here. He uh, he had a 10% walk rate, which that was kind of the big deal last year. Uh, you cannot be walking that kind of people. It will it just prevents you from going deep enough into games. Um, so when you're looking at a sophomore slump, that's what kind of worries me because that's usually not something that's worked out too easily. If you try to not walk people, you leave more pitches over the plate, then they kill the ball more. So what we want to see out of Jack Flaherty this year is just more development from his pitches. I mean, his curveball is not fantastic. Uh, if he can turn that into like a third really good pitch, um, that would really help out his other two main pitches there. Uh, he needs to be able to obviously have a little better um, control. So he's going to be back with the Cardinals, obviously, um, and he's uh, he's going to be in there every day. Uh, you don't have to really worry about like last year. You have to having to worry about people being moved in and out of the uh, rotation with Chris Carpenter around and, and all sorts of random crap. He wants that kind of issue this year, but um, I don't know. I mean, his his four seamer and uh, his his curveball. He needs to mix them in and he needs to locate them so he can just kill people with his elite slider but he cannot live on the slider so that is kind of my concern i've been avoiding flaherty at 54 because even though everything is lined up for him to be a great pitcher i don't think he's going to be there in 2019 because i think he has growing pains he has to develop the third pitch and he has to do it in the majors so there's going to be a, I, there is going to be growing pains so 
That three three four ERA, I don't know. I I mean, I I'm I'm guessing it's gonna be north of three five, maybe up towards towards three seven. That's my bet. Um, but I think the legit the K's are legit. Um, I just think that you can get a pitcher like him later in the draft. I mean, said you, you can get Steven Strasburg, um, like a couple rounds later, Zach Granke, guys like that, German Marquez. Just this just seems a little early for Flaherty for me. He just has too many. I don't want to call him warts. Uh, let's just things he needs to work out as a young pitcher. I I think the biggest issue. I think his curveball's fine. I think the biggest issue for Flattery is his fastball location. Um, I mean he, he gets a forty nine percent whiff rate on curve, forty six percent on slider. Um, his four seamer only gets about twenty percent. I I just I think that's probably where he needs to focus the most is is pitch location on in terms of his four seam fastball if he can get that down which uh or or sorry if he can if he can start locating better in that i think his baseball uh based on balls goes down and he becomes a much more effective pitcher but you're you're correct like he, he does have some developmental things going on he's young it will be hard to rely on him this season um, but going forward, I mean, he probably is going early, but if you can get him later uh, than, say, the uh, than the fifth or early sixth, I would I would not be opposed to getting him in like the seventh or eighth round. So the next guy up is Jamison Tyone, who we can talk about briefly. I, I think he is also one of the better steals in the draft at 55. Uh, he had a huge breakout, I mean, I think, after coming back from cancer, uh, he started back as one of a lot of people's preseason's favorites last year, but he came out of the gate struggling and struggling hard. I mean, there were certain points where I think Pittsburgh was thinking about taking him out of the rotation. Um, he ended the year with a 3-2 OERA, 3-4-6 FIP, 3-5-8 XFIP, but that was over the course of the entire season. On uh, the second half, he actually had a 3-2-7 FIP. Uh, you know, he had a twenty around a 22% uh, K percentage. Um, K per nine was, uh, was around 8.43. I, uh, I mean, in that draft, the first pick overall was Bryce Harper. He's obviously now $330 million. Uh, the third pick in his draft was Manny Machado, who's obviously got $300 million. The second pick in his draft was Jamison Tyon. <laughs> so it's funny. He's probably feels really bad about being sandwiched in between like the quadrillionaires. But uh, Tyone is supposed to be good, and he is showing signs and that he keeps stepping forward, and, and he ended the year fantastic. Uh, and he's going to go in as their um, – I don't know who's, who their ace is, if it's going to be him or Archer, but um, Jamison Tyone is one of my favorite underrated guys here, and I'm expecting, uh, I'm expecting Tyone to uh, have a huge 2019 and turn into a star this year. Maybe 200 strikeouts, under, under three ERA. I think the big issue, so like his FIP and his XFIP, I mean, his FIP dropped a little bit in the second half. His XFIP was about the same. Um, looking up Sierra, where is Sierra? Well, can't find it. Regardless, I think he just got a little bit luckier in the second half. But, I mean, his home runs per her home run per fly ball ratio was down. Um, so... Ultimately, he ended the season with very good peripherals. I mean, like you said, 
or or ultimately, I mean, he was he had a three four six FIP, three five eight X FIP. Sierra was four two four, which isn't great. Um, but I mean, like you said, he was just he showed signs. He had one hundred ninety one innings pitched. Uh, his home run to fly ball ratio was a little bit high, but. I think you're right. Like he's, he's looking or he's taking a step forward and now, um, and going into next season, he might be a guy that you take a risk on. Um, but there are guys behind him. I'm probably more comfortable taking just because if we're going to be talking about red flags and guys that have some question marks, I'd I'd be looking at taking some of those elite guys behind him before I would take uh, Tyone there as a 17th pitcher overall. That's fair enough. Um, Luis Severino, don't really know enough about his recovery and how he's going to feel if there's going to be any setbacks. I mean, I'm very risk-averse. So if this is redraft, I'm crossing him off my list. It's just what I do. Uh, there's a certain price for everybody when he, you know, how far he'll fall of when you'll take him. But, you know, I don't like to see this kind of stuff earlier in the year. There's a lot of pitchers. I'm, I just cross him off my list. So I don't know how you go about this kind of stuff, Sam. You got anything you want to add on Severino? I mean, this is much like um, ACLs for me. Like, he's going to be out until May. And with guys that are coming off of relatively major um, injuries like that, I just I would rather not take the chance because I'm betting that it's probably still going to take a month before he gets back into a groove. And by that time, I mean you're two months into a season, probably three months into a season. And I, I just I would this early I would rather not take that chance. Yep. Uh, interesting guy up next, Mike Clevenger. You can get him around 57 right now. Looks like in the draft. Um, Weird guy, not a huge fastball, but a big, a, a pretty good strikeout pitcher for the Indians. Uh, the main reason he's a big strikeout guy is he gets a first pitch strike almost 70% of the time. Um, he loves to use his off-speed stuff. Uh, he'll throw his slider just over the plate early on and, uh, and, and steal strikes. And then he'll just use your your, your cha- his changeup and his secondary stuff with his, his mixing in his fastballs to just – pretty much dink and dunk you until he catches you off guard and strikes you out. Um, in 2018, uh, he had th- was a 311 ERA. No, a 302 ERA after a 311 in 2017 um, with a 352 FIP, 386 XFIP. Uh, 200 innings too. He got to the magic number, 200 innings on the dot. So Mike Clevenger is a guy that some people aren't is high on because he doesn't have like maybe wipeout um wipeout stuff like he's not gonna go up there and dominate you but he really knows how to pitch he goes up there with a plan he knows how to locate he goes up there he steals strikes he gets us he gets in front of you in the count and then he gets you to chase stuff uh 30 percent um o swing 12 percent swing and strike rate you know he's a very solid pitcher that not a whole lot of people really um have paid attention to. And he's, you know, is again, if you're looking for like a starting pitcher, number two, um, he's a, he's a, or even a third guy, if you're just going all pitching earlier on, uh, Clevenger is a very good option. I mean, like you said, I think his peripherals say a little bit more. I mean, he's, I don't think he's going to hit that 302 again, or even that 311, even though he's done it in back-to-back seasons, which is kind of wild. But 
I mean, even even if we're talking a mid threes to um, mid to high threes ERA, you're still talking about a guy that can eat. I mean, he he pitched 200 innings last uh, last season. He's going to eat innings. He's going. He's not going to give you. Um, I mean, he, I guess he's not going to like you said be a wipeout pitcher, but he still gives you decent strikeouts. I mean, you nine to ten strikeouts per nine. Um, his home run to fly ball ratio is ten percent, so he's not going to give up a ton of home runs. I mean, he, he's not one of the best pitchers in the league, but he's a guy that is solid. And like you said, if you're looking for a pitcher two or even pitcher three, he's a great guy to have. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why a lot of people are projecting out his um, his ERA to be so high, only because for me, there's there's things you look at like is 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 he yeah, as Babip's low, but he's a low Babip pitcher. Just look at the way he pitched uh, since 2015. Look at his home run to fly ball ratio. I mean, in general, this guy just keeps you off balance. Therefore, low batting average for balls in play. You get bad contact. Therefore, if you're putting it in the infield, you're getting thrown out. You're putting it in the outfield. You're getting you're, it's getting caught. Um, so I don't know. I just think he's a guy who's maybe misunderstood in all the metrics this year. Like uh, he he is a pitcher's pitcher almost. He has a plan. He's he does the best. Almost like I don't want to call him Jacob Degrom. Jacob Degrom does all this stuff, but he does it with elite um, velocity as well. But he just goes up there, he puts you off balance. He has a plan, and he he makes you look bad. And I just don't think he gets enough credit. Um, yeah, he's probably never going to step up and be one of these other guys. He just doesn't maybe have the skills to do that. But I, I think what he does is 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 good. And he's like some of these other guys you grab late for 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 decent ratios, like just a ERA and, and WHIP controller. Uh, but this guy provides you with strikeouts, and I just think that uh, you know I don't think he gets the the respect he deserves. And I think where he's going in the draft is is a great spot to land someone who's pretty safe, in my opinion. No, I agree. I, I, I mean, really, if and like I said, I'm I'm a peripherals guy. I'm an advanced sabermetrics guy. Mm-hmm. But maybe, I mean, maybe some people just kind of break the mold, um, and and that might be the the case here uh, for Clevenger. But I, and 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 maybe I have to kind of temper my expectations as well. It's like. The dude had 311 ERA in 2017, 302 ERA in 2018. Even though his peripherals say otherwise, he's been relatively consistent. So maybe it's somebody that the peripherals or those advanced hammer metrics just don't apply. And it, I mean, it's a valid argument. And like you said, it, he's not he's not going to be the flashy guy, but he's going to be the guy that's going to give you solid stats. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I mentioned earlier the guy who, who uh, we're two guys who were in on Blake Snell, uh, Michael Florio. If you don't follow him, you should at Michael F Florio on Twitter. He's a he's a sharp dude. Um, we were both in on uh, Blake Snell's breakout before it happened. Um, moving down the line, a couple of guys that I crossed again, cross right off my list. I I have my rankings. I go into my draft with. They're not on them. I'm not saying that I ignore them. They're not on them. Like out of sight, out of mind. I do not draft them because they do not exist for me. And that is Clayton Kershaw and Steven Strasburg. Uh, Do you have interest in either of these gentlemen? I mean, where they're going right now, yes. Yeah. I I get it. Like they're they're injury prone. I mean that is a thing. <laughs> believe it or not, for those people who think that it's Steven Strasburg, 2015, 127 innings. 2016, 147 innings. 
Uh, yeah, that. I mean, Strasburg's a little bit different. I, at the very least, Kershaw is giving me 150 plus, and like you're talking about the. I mean, maybe not the last two seasons, but one of the greatest pitchers of our era or of this era. And when he's right, he's great. And even in his low, like his bad seasons, the last two seasons he's had, and I say bad here, he had a 2-3-1 ERA, 2-7-3 ERA. His uh, peripherals, FIP and XFIP, uh, were hovering around three. Uh, Sierra was... Um, Sorry, uh, a little bit higher than three. And those are his down seasons. Um, and he's only 30. So if he can stay healthy, and even if he can't, like you're still talking about 161 and 175 innings pitched the last two seasons. And he they're going on the back end of the fifth, the fifth right now. And I mean, Strasburg's a little bit different. Um, he's got great stuff, but he's not Kershaw. And so when I have Kershaw and I can get him at the end of the fifth where he was going in the first for many years, I'm uh, that's where I, I feel perfectly fine grabbing him there. One guy that I like right behind him that, again, is getting no respect whatsoever is Zach Greinke. Uh, everyone is uh, going to be trying to take some of these uh, some of these guys right. Like, you know, like we were saying, Strasburg and uh, and gonna wait right behind him. And grab a couple of boring guys. Um, Zach Greinke, you know, a lot of people thought that he was completely done. You know, his velocity was down. Um, he had got off to a rough start. <laughs> this is the last two seasons. Like, but that's happened two seasons in a row, by the way, that people thought his velocity is down and he, his his career was over. He signed that huge contract with the Diamondbacks and he had a 4.37 ERA. Oh, my God. After that, in 2017, 202 innings pitched. 9.56 K per nine, 320 ERA, 331 FIP. Last year, uh, 207 innings pitched, 321 ERA, 344 X FIP. I mean, <laughs> what do you more do you want from the guy? Uh, I mean, unless you just, you know, it's just another thing with Verlander. You never know when the age can catch up to him. But right now, around pick 63, after a bunch of injury risks, uh, Severino Kershaw, Strasburg, some guys that you're not, you know, a Flaherty, um, like almost 30 picks earlier. You're not sure about a sophomore slump. You can get a guy in Zach Greinke who is probably going to give you 200 innings pitched around a 9K per nine and a decent uh, threes ERA. Um, he, he might be a boring pick, but he's a really smart one. Can I mean, can we be realistic here? The dude is in the <laughs> mid 30s and we're complaining about his velocity being down. That's wild to me. Like, yeah, of course his velocity's down, but guys can reinvent themselves. Look at Verlander. I mean, look at Grinky. The guy's velocity's down, but he's been just as good as, I mean, maybe not just as good as he ever was, but he's been great the last two seasons. The guy has reinvented who he is as a pitcher, and he's been successful doing it. I mean, you're still talking mid threes for FIP, ex-FIP. Uh, Sierra is still mid threes. His home run per fly ball is right where it's always been. His ground ball rate rates right where it's always been. His bat pips right where it's always been. The guy can pitch. And just because he had that one down season in 2016, apparently people just don't believe in him anymore. So, and this is one of those risk averse things where, I'd, I'd rather take the guy who's pitching 
200 innings. He was pitched 200 innings in four of the last five seasons with a sub 3.5 ERA in four of the last five seasons. Then I would be taking chances on uh, Severino on, uh, I mean, Kershaw is its own thing, but uh, Tyone, uh, Paxton, Flaherty, like there are, I would rather have that consistency yep. from unbelievably well said. Several guys um, going ahead of him, and the, the guys going right behind him too. Perfect, Jose Barrios. No, thank you. Around there, I mean, he's going to give you around a four ERA, in my opinion. He's going to give you some K's, but um, he has just some flaws. He, there's no way I'm going to be thinking he's going to be consistent for an entire season. I mean, he doesn't have a very good changeup, and he has a really, really good curveball. And that is going to keep him in the majors. But unless he takes the time to develop another pitch, they're just going to continue to smash his other pitches. So, I mean, two years in a row, 3.89 ERA, 3.84 ERA, 3.84 FIP, 3.90 FIP. I mean, I've oh, mirror images ERA and FIP. I mean, he kind of is who he is, and that's who I expect him to be. I do not expect a leap forward. So I don't want to take you around – you know, pick 64 in a draft, if that's the kind of numbers I'm going to get. I can get that later in the draft. Right. And and there's guys I would rather take a chance on that have elite stuff. They yeah, just well, need to. Yeah, um, the guy right after him, there's also a guy together. 20 picks like later. The guy, um, right after. guy first is German Marquez. What, German Marquez? What? Tell me, say his German? name again. Herman Marquez. Herman. Herman Marquez. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Three seven seven ERA. How dare you? Three four zero FIP. Three one zero X FIP. You know the story. It's course field, everybody. Ten point. Ten point five six K per nine. Sierra, by the way. Um, if you don't believe in this guy, watch some tape. Watch spring training. Uh, he is so good. Um, the other guys, when people want to say, oh, who's who's better, him or John Gray, or who's that other guy, that uh, the, the wildly overrated Freeland, the wildly overrated Kyle Freeland. Kyle Freeland. Um, hey, I, I'm not trying to bring yourself, him down. Buddy. I'm just trying to say Jermon Marquez yourself. is on another planet from those guys. Right. He's really good, and he deserves to be going higher. It's hard to draft a pitcher in fantasy from Coors Field, but he is that good. He's going to get you those strikeouts. Oh, yeah. And I think... More than enough of the course field is baked into his ADP. Because if this guy was not in course field, he'd be a top 15 pitcher maybe. Um, I mean, he's really good, and I, I would love to have him on all of my teams. Yeah, I he is a lot of people's dark horse candidate for the Cy Young. I mean, what he did last season in Coors as a 23-year-old is phenomenal. Every he gets overlooked because of like Freeland's season last season, but the guy has fantastic stuff, and I I expect him to take another step this season and be the ace of that staff, and ultimately, I I think he can achieve a sub three ERA. He could probably achieve a 11-plus K per nine. The only issue is his home run to fly ball, but, I mean, even that's decent for Coors Field. His home run to fly ball rate's 15%. If he can get his ground balls up and his fly balls down, 
this could be this could be a Cy Young season. And obviously, I'm a little bit biased with with the Coors Field, but I've watched this guy pitch. I mean, and this is the same argument that Matt's talking about with the Mets. I've watched this guy pitch basically every day that he's been out there, and the guy's stuff is electric. He just needs to be able to command it a little bit better, get the ground balls up, get the fly balls down, and he's going to be um, a phenomenal Next guy, pitcher. next pitcher is about 10, 10, 15 spots away, Zach Wheeler. Um, not getting the amount of respect he deserves. A lot of people are like, oh, he had a, he had a good half. Um, he's going way too early in drafts. No, he's going too, way too late in drafts. This guy was one of the top pitching prospects in baseball for the San Francisco Giants. He was sent to the Mets in a trade that sent Carlos Beltran to the Giants. That was when Beltran was Carlos Beltran. I mean, that's how good Zach Wheeler was considered. He has been derailed and derailed and derailed by injury time and time again. He finally came back healthy last year. He started working his way back um, the year before a little bit, but he was finally starting a year healthy. He was working through some things. And then I was watching, I remember watching a game where I just saw him throw a high fastball for 99 miles per hour. He's usually sitting around like 94, 95, 96. He started throwing one 99. And then he consistently started throwing the ball faster. This was faster than he's ever thrown, by the way, everybody. He had never thrown this fast before. This is like that movie, The Rookie, if you've ever seen it, or Rookie of the Year. Um, I mean, he just, out of the blue, just his mechanics were allowing him um, to, like, he came back, he started getting into a groove, and his mechanics were allowing him to throw much faster, which just took his game to a complete new level. Every single one of his pitches, um, all of his secondary stuff, his sliders, curveball, his split changeup, they all have a over a 10% swinging strike rate on them. Um, his second half, let me get the splits up here. Uh, in the first half... Um, he gave up a 250 average and a 304 Woba, which is not bad. Um, after everything clicked, 174 average, 220 Woba. Um, he had a in the first half 375 FIP, 404 XFIP. In the second half, 253 FIP, 347 XFIP. And that wasn't him truly together. There was points where he had a 25.7% K rate in the second half where he was just like completely wiping people away. Uh, and he did it this spring also. And there's there's a lot to love about Zach Wheeler. I mean, as far as my predictions for him, um, you know, if he's healthy and he doesn't seem to have anything wrong with him at all. He's uh, he's had he's not injury prone. He had bad injuries earlier in his career and he had to work back. They're just things that took a long time to come back from. Uh, but, yeah, I would say three lower than three five ERA, maybe three three ERA. Uh, one one whip with a with a K per with a K per inning, um, and I I think that he is again one of my favorite steals in the entire draft, maybe my favorite. I think Zach Wheeler is very legitimate, and uh, he should be on everyone's everyone's list to to grab in the mid rounds. Completely agree. Uh, his his peripherals. Or fantastic last season, mid uh, mid threes for FIP x FIP. I mean his ERA, his FIP x FIP, and his Sierra basically all matched. Um, and then the last time he had, he he pitched a full season, he was about the same. So you're expecting, like you said, mid threes ERA, maybe a little bit lower. 
Um, he doesn't, his walk rate dropped. So it seems like he got command his command in, in 2018, his home run for per fly ball was the lowest of his career. Um, he just, he showed what type of pitcher he could be and what people were excited about with the Mets in 2014, when they had uh Syndergaard, when they had DeGrom, when they had, um, the dark Knight. uh, and, and so, I mean, even now, you're still talking about Syndergaard, DeGrom, and Wheeler. And that's a fantastic starting three. And Wheeler is up there in terms of uh, value here just because you're getting him. Uh, where's he going? The God, at 86. Yeah. He's going 86th overall, which is wild because there are guys. I mean, we've talked about Severino. Severino should not be going that high first and foremost. Tyone, uh, Barrio should not be going that high. It, like guys like Marquez and Wheeler, I think should be going higher than a lot of people are taking them. And that's because they have this, this stuff that they've already sh- first and foremost shown. And second, most second, most they have a ceiling yep. that's higher than a lot of the guys ahead of them. All right. The um, next guy up is Madison Bumgarner. Um, all I will say on his behalf is he's one of the best uh, postseason pitchers I've ever seen and hard pass for 2019 hard pass. Yeah. I'm not touching him. I mean, he's, he's just not shown he me anything pitcher. He, he has not shown anything seasons. to, to show me that he's going to be anything but useless in fantasy league. So he can be someone else's problem. Um, the 34th pitcher off the board, uh, including relievers, I should say, at going to pitch around 91 is miles Mikolas. I will let you talk about him since you are the Cardinals fan. So, I mean, I, I think Flaherty, Flaherty has the um, the ceiling. And, and we're talking about ceiling versus floor here, like it's fantasy football. But I think it's a valid point. I, Miles Mikolas had a fantastic season last season. And even, I mean, his ERA was 283, so he got a bit luckier than, or he pitched a little bit worse than that ERA says. His FIP was 328. XFIP was 367. Um, Sierra was 393. But you're still expecting a, I mean, he, he looks like a different pitcher than he ever um, was before coming back to the U.S. from Japan. Um, he was there for four years, I believe. Yeah. And he just, uh, I don't, I, I, I guess I don't know what else to say. I mean, the guy's, uh, the guy was just fantastic last season. I mean, he threw, um, and I'm trying to look up his pitches. He he throws more sinkers or more. Sorry, uh, his fastball. He throws less. Um, he throws the sinker a lot more. Uh, he has a great curve. He's got great off speed stuff. And while like like much like Clevenger, he's just not going to blow you away. He's not, but he he's not near the the strikeout guy. Um, but his base on built balls was like 1.3 per nine. Like he just, he throws strikes and he makes you hit the ball, but his hard contact rate was 32.6%. So the guy gets ground balls. Um, 
He doesn't get that many fly balls, 28.5% fly ball rate. His home run to fly ball was below 10 at 9%. He just get he he makes you hit the ball and he gets weak contact. Here. And that's all you can really ask for a pitcher like that. Here. And if he's going to Sorry, go ahead. No, I something on Mikolas. I don't want to throw cold water on him cuz I actually No, don't you dare. I think he's a good buy at 91. I really do. Yeah. But um, as far as metrics go, this is like a lesson. I'm going to use him as the scapegoat for the lesson. Um, he had a 2.83 ERA, 3.93 Sierra. So mm-hmm. everyone's like, "Oh, 3.93 Sierra, that's not bad." You're, but he's still being painted, painted in a positive light because of that 2.83 ERA. What about the opposite end of the spectrum? A guy who had a 4.21 ERA but had a 3.52 Sierra. Is his name John Gray? No. No, it's a okay. 4-2-1 ERA, though. You're treated like a leper. <laughs> but 3-5-2 Sierra. Um, these are these are the two guys compared. Mikolas, 18.1K percentage, 3.6 walk percentage. Player B, 20.1K percentage, 2.7 mm-hmm. walk percentage. Player B better, and just metrics-wise. Uh, 2 ERA for Mikolas. 4-2-1 ERA for the second player. 3-9-3 Sierra, 107 whip for Mikolas. 3-5-2 Sierra, 114 whip for player B. Miles Mikolas is currently going 91.29 overall uh, in NFPC. And Robbie Erland, the opening day pitcher for the San Diego Padres, is currently going 470th. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> 470th. I'm not telling you not to draft Mikolas, everybody, but oh, yeah. if you believe in Mikolas, you believe in Robbie Erlin. He's just the guy who had the bad ERA and the good metrics instead of the good ERA and the good metrics. Um, he's starting for the San Diego Padres. I'm not telling you to sell the farm to get him. He's going 470th. I'm just telling you, draft Robbie Erlin. He's the opening day pitcher for the San Diego Padres, and yeah. he is Miles Mikolas. Well, and, and and I think it's a valid point. ERA does not is a terrible metric to measure pitchers on. That's why we are using FIP. Um, that's why we're using um, XFIP. And really, we probably should go through what these all mean at some point. Um it could no matter what people understand ERA is a bad stat and everything, but still yeah, yeah. it paints no 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 it's, no. it's yeah, and I, it, it is stigma. The stigma of this of Erlin having a four two one ERA yeah. and Mikolas had the two eight three, people are like, Oh, well he's better. I'm like, Well, if you're just looking at the metrics and throw ERA out the window, we're not talking about different pitchers. So Well, and here and here's the thing though. So what I mean, what is I and you have Erlin up, right? Yeah. What is his K per nine? Uh, hold on. Actually, no, I don't actually have his entire page up. Let me get him up right now. Elevator music. <laughs> Robbie Erlin. Uh, Caper 9, 7.27. So also. So, I mean, he's got even a better Caper 9. I mean, here, here's the thing. Mikolas is a contact pitcher. So he's not going to give you those Ks. He's also not going to give you walks. Mm-hmm. He's also not going to give up home runs. But um, he's just not going to stab or, or stuff the box score like a lot of pitchers will. But he will give you whip. Um, he will give you – we'll see about ERA this season. Um, 
so it's kind of a two sides of a coin here. It's like, do you, do you just want a reliable pitcher who's going to give you, well, I mean, I, it's hard to say he's going to give you 200 innings uh, season in season out. Cause you only done it once, but let's just say 180 innings, uh lowish ERA, a low whip, um, low home run per nine, low K rate, but low base on balls. Or do you want a guy who's going to give you a higher K rate, but maybe, a uh, um, a, uh, Oh my God. Just lost the word. I keep losing words. Guess what? I have early, early onset Alzheimer's. Um, but an elevated, he's, he's going to maybe has an elevated ERA or an elevated, um, home run to fly ball ratio, but he's going to give you more strikeouts. Um, he's gonna, uh, be, be a more, uh, swing and miss pitcher than say Mikolas was. So it's kind of pick your poison there, I guess. Yep. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there for everybody. Uh, Robbie Erlin, grab him late. 34% O swing percentage last year. Uh, this guy's not getting any. We're not going to talk about him later in the show. I'm talking about him now. Robbie Erlin, pick him up. He's not being drafted. Uh, moving on to David Price. Uh, surprisingly did well last year. I've kind of painted him as like an underachiever for the most part. And he usually lets me down whenever I pick him up. Uh, but where he's going right now, around 91 overall, right after Mikolas, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of happy with that. The last two years, 338 ERA, 364 uh, FIP, 358 ERA, 395 XFIP. He's going to strike out uh, about 9, 9K per nine for a very good Red Sox team. Um, he had 176 innings last year. Uh, I, I think that's fine where he's going. I think he's being priced appropriately. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like you said, he he's had about one elite season, maybe two elite seasons in his career for a guy that he was first overall, wasn't he? In his David uh, Price, class. yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. Um, so he he's definitely been a quote unquote underachiever, but he's an innings eater. Um, he's going to give you decent strikeouts, um, nine per nine uh, strikeouts per nine. He's not going to walk a ton of people. Um, BAPIP's pretty low. Home run to fly ball ratio was a little bit elevated this uh, past season. So, yeah, I, I think I agree. He's not going to be the best pitcher by any means, um, but he is will be a reliable pitcher. Yeah. Um, interesting down the line a bit. This is, uh, you know, about 10, 10, 15 guys later. is Luis Castillo. I, I like him this year. He's, he's not someone I want to, like, give you my guarantee on because it's more of a gut feeling. He, he pitched – he obviously had a bad year in a vacuum last year. 4-3 OERA. Did have a 3-6-9 XFIP. Uh, 8-7-5 K per 9, a little down from his 2017 where he had the 3-1-2 ERA, 987. Uh, but uh, he showed flashes last year down the stretch of turning it around. And he had a 2 uh, in the in the first half, people batted 264 against him, 344 Woba. Second half, 204 batting average against 268 Woba. Um, in the second half, he had a 317 XFIP um, to go with a 26.3% uh, K rate, 9.36 K per nine. So uh, everyone was drafting him for hype last year. He got overdrafted this year. There's a big discount on him at around 111. And I think he is, you know, post hype sleeper. That's 
what this is. Luis Castillo, post-hype sleeper. The The Cincinnati Reds have a vastly improved lineup. They're going to win a lot more games than people think they're going to. I mean, they're projected to be above the Cubs. Everyone is. The Cubs are projected to finish last, which is mind-boggling to me, but still. Thank God. <laughs> but uh, Luis, Luis Castillo, um, you know, he could, if he takes a step forward this year, he could be an ace. He's very good. And like I said, I just read off those numbers. His If his second half is an indicator uh, you're getting a uh, a mega discount on a number one starting pitcher at around pick 111. Like you said, post-hype sleeper. I think that he is the perfect example of that uh, among pitchers. He was a dominant pitcher in uh, the minors. Uh, skipped AAA altogether. Uh, um, went to the Reds in 2017. Was very good. Had a 3.12 ERA, 3.74 FIP. 3.41 xFIP. A lot of people banking on him in 2018 off of those numbers and his minor league numbers. But guess what? This happens. Sophomore slumps happen, especially for pitchers when they get figured out. Uh, so if it's in any, any indicator, and it should be, because and we've talked about this early on, was look at splits. If sec- second halves mean a lot, and they show a lot about a p- player, and – Matt already rattled off the numbers. So Luis Castillo seemed to start figuring out things in the second half of the season and started to show that what pitcher type of pitcher he was in the minors. So definitely can see a mid threes ERA um, nine to 10 uh, K per nine uh, next season. And he could end up being a fantastic pitcher. And you're talking about, uh, he's going 111th overall. So this this could be a fantastic value for you this season. Yeah. I'm going to run through just a couple of names. I, I don't think we need to get too into. Mike Fultonavich going to 114. Charlie Morton in 122. Robbie Ray, 124. I think all these guys are just going where they should. You know, we kind of know how they did last year. Charlie Morton had a little bit of a breakout. Robbie Ray is going to have a high ERA, tons of strikeouts. I don't think we really need to get into them. They are who they are. They're going pretty much where they should be going in drafts. Anything to add on those three? Nope. Um, Kyle Hendricks, 128, same thing. He could take a step forward, not much of a strikeouts guy, kind of like, you know, just typical boring innings eater. Which leads me to around 129, Chris Archer. A lot of people hear Chris Archer, they're like, ew. Um, in the Rays, uh, in 2014 to 2016, 3-3 ERA, 3-2 ERA, 3-2 ERA. Um, all with like phenomenal XFIPs at the 290, 301, just great. And then in back-to-back years in 2016-2017, 401 ERA, 407 ERA. And then last year in 2018, he was traded midseason, 431 ERA. Um, he went to the Pittsburgh Pirates, which is the reason I wanted to bring him up. You know, by the way, um, he had a 331 ERA in the second half, or 331 XFIP in the second half. And th- this leads to my into the point I was about to make. Um, Ray Searich. I mean, people give the Braves credit. People give the Cardinals credit. Different teams credit for grabbing a pitcher off the scrap heap, now the Astros, and turning them into something. Ray Searich of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And uh, A.J. Burnett. Um, before the, I'm just going to name you a couple of random pitchers that they've had in, in past years with him. Uh, AJ Burnett in 2011 had a 5.15 ERA, and then he was brought in to be work with Ray Searage on spring training. He um he worked with him in the off season, 
And in 2012, he had a 3.51 ERA. 2012, Francisco Lariano, 5.34 ERA, was brought in to work under Ray Searage. 2013, 3.02 ERA. Edison Volquez, same thing in 2013, 5.71 ERA, works with Ray Searage. 3.04 ERA in 2014. Ian, or uh, J.A. Happ in 2015, 4.64 ERA, comes in to work with Searage. 1.85 ERA for uh, Hap. I'm not saying that he can do the same thing with Chris Archer, but when I saw those stats, it made me, you know, a little excited about a guy who um, got to work with them just a little bit and had a 3-3-1 XFIP in the second half. Um, we've seen what Archer can do in the past. You know, he's, he'll still get you tons of strikeouts. If you can get him around 129, I think it's worth gambling on uh, on Archer this year when you have guys like you know like you said you got you got guys like Fultonavich, Kyle Hendricks going around there I'm waiting I'll go with uh, Chris Archer because I mean Searage looks like he's worked some magic in the past uh, Archer had a good second half and I'm I'm hoping for a little bit of a bounce back for Mr. Archer and we say bounce back, but I mean, you mentioned his his peripherals. His FIP was three seven five last season. XFIP three five nine. I believe you said FIP was three three one in the second half. Yeah, it's more it's more uh, the over four ERA three years in a row. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's a bad stat, but it is a stat that counts in fantasy. So if they're going to continue to be that, obviously that's not good. <laughs> no, I and I, I wholly agree. I just he has been a good pitcher. He just seems to have gotten unlucky especially the last two seasons i mean his bat pip was 325 which might just say something about him as a pitcher but his bat pip was 325 in 2017 338 in 2018 previously it, it hovered it was all be, or always below 300 basically so and, and his k rate has been about the same the entire time home run to fly ball was relatively the same. I mean, it's been up the last three seasons, but I, I think he almost has to be due for that bounce back and, and it just, just in terms of those metrics. And then you bring in um, the pitching coach and yeah, yeah, I definitely agree that he could definitely be due for a bounce back this season, get into the mid threes ERA, um, maintain that K rate of 10 plus, uh, and you could definitely see him have an awesome season. Um, and where, I mean, where he's going right now around 130. I mean, definitely, I mean, it doesn't hurt to take flyers. I mean, and I say flyers, I mean, that's what 10th round, um, 10th or 11th round, but for a guy who was highly sought after last season, even two seasons ago, that's way down there. Um, and so I, I'm, I would definitely be taking a chance on Archer. Yeah. Um, same thing. We'll skip down the list a little bit. Mashahiro Tanaka, Jay Hap. Um, again, guys that should be going where they are, or should be going Nick Pavetta, which is interesting because Everyone's all over Nick Pavetta, so I don't want to toot his horn too much. There's a lot to like about him. I mean, you know, high strikeout rate, low walk rate. What's not to like? A couple of things. I mean, he has a he had a high batting average for balls in play, which you can expect maybe to to come back a little bit. I mean, he had a four seven seven ERA, but he only had a three point four two xFIP. The reason for that is the high batting average for all balls in play. 
And he also had a 15.8 home run to fly ball ratio, which we can't really take out of hand too much because he plays in Citizens Bank Park. That kind of stuff's Mm going to happen. Um, And he likes to throw some meatballs over the plate too. Uh, That is going to be his issue. Um, He doesn't walk many people and he strikes out a lot. So he limits base runners. But when they do get on, um, he sometimes can get damaged by this. So we have to see if that's something he can overcome. Um, So he's, he's been a popular sleeper this year, but it's still going around pick 143. So, you know, how much of a sleeper can he be? But, you know, I mean, high high K, low walk. If you're going to get him around 143, pitches for a very good team, it's a good gamble to take. I don't know how much um, – I don't know how much positive um, progression he really has coming his way. Uh, I would say I would say if you go into this just taking your 10K per nine and expecting a four ERA, then you'll be happy. If, if he does better than that, great. Um, I think he has it in him to be better. But um, I think that's kind of what you're what you're hoping for with like you know a bunch of wins on this Phillies team. Yeah, I, I mean, his 15 percent home run to fly ball rate is actually down from 2017, which was it was at 18 percent. Mm-hmm. So he did get better there. Um, but I mean, the BAPIP's pretty up there. Uh, like you said, um, he just. He's not a strikeout pitcher. His whiff rates on all of his – well, I guess he kind of is. He's 10%. But his whiff rates on all of his pitches um, is below 40%. So – and and you, you talked about the guys on base. I mean, his left on base percentage is below 70%, which isn't fantastic. Um, but – Again, we're we're tired. We're we're deep into these drafts. So, if you can get ten plus wins, get ten plus strikeouts per nine, uh, probably probably a, a good flyer to take. Yep. Uh, next guy right up right after him, he's going around one forty eight. Is you Darvish? Uh, obviously, it was a big disappointment last year. Could never fully get healthy. Came back, got hurt. Came back, got hurt, and stayed hurt. Um, a lot of encouraging stuff. I mean, this spring he's he's gone seven innings, he's eight strikeouts. Um, he's also has seven walks, which you know, it's spring training, so you don't know what to make of it. But um, he is actually going out of his way to speak English um, everywhere he can in interviews, and he seems really confident. And he really wants to contribute to the Cubs, and he's you could tell how hard he's working. Uh, the only reason I mentioned the English thing is. I just I like when I see little stuff like that because if I see a player who you know has been over here a while and he's working so hard, if if you were planning on like mailing it in or not really going gung ho, I mean you you wouldn't really put as much effort in the off season to the little things like that. So he said he wanted to be able to communicate with his catcher more. You know I mean those are little cool things I like to see. Um, you know, everyone going the extra mile, no matter what it is. In this particular instance, it was Darvish, you know, trying to learn English so he can, you know, he could talk to his teammates more. Um, this spring, he looks pretty sharp. You know, he he's given up some walks. But overall, um, for 148, what do you have to lose, really? I mean, you know, you can take a, you can take a boring guy like, you know, Jay Happ, which, you know, he's a fine pick. But, you know, you Darvish has the, the, the strikeout upside. Um, that you know could make him just one of the one of the steals in your draft if he pans out. So you Darvish at one forty eight is very interesting to me, and he'll he'll end up on a couple of my teams. Uh, his strikeout rate was actually up last season as well. Um, 
BAPIP was fine. Uh, home run rate was a little bit, or home run to fly ball ratio was a, a little bit high. I, I think if if he can get to around four um, ERA, he should be a good flyer to take because um, you're still getting those 11 um, or 10 to 11 strikeouts per nine. Uh, and hopefully you can get that home run um, to fly ball ratio down. And if he can do that, then I, I great, like, like you said, great flyer to take here. Yep. Um, and after that, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is a guy I'd like to talk about on the, uh, the Red Sox. Uh, I've watched him pitch this spring. I watched him at the end of last year. Um, he, he ended the season with a 3.82 ERA, 3.65 FIP, uh, 10.13 K per nine. That's kind of who he is. Uh, you know uh, who, who he's been for his career. He's you know in the fours. Like last year, he's 3.8, and he's going to strike out a bunch of guys. But he has um, a really good changeup, and he was starting to use his cutter and slider more to try to set that up. And in spring training, from what I've seen, he he looks a lot more comfortable. Last, uh, he looks a lot more comfortable. And in his last uh, thirty starts, he looked a lot more comfortable. Last year, he was allowing his changeup um, to kind of set up his other pitches. So, I think minimum you're going to be getting that same kind of thing you saw last year: three A ERA with ten K per nine. But I think we can be looking at a guy who could be a lot better. He's on a very good team with the Red Sox for wins. Uh, and I think you could be looking at maybe like three five ERA, um, sell, still the same strikeouts, almost like a mini mini Zach Wheeler. So, but you can get him around pick one fifty two. Just one of these like other you know starting pitcher is really deep. You can get some really solid players that are somewhat safe later on. The big thing with him is you know um, career high in innings pitches one thirty seven last year just one twenty nine. So you know can he can he keep this together for an entire uh, an entire season and uh, develop a third pitch that's going to like kind of take him to the next level. But again, um, at least late in the draft around one pick one fifty two, everything's baked in ADP, so you're already paying for those shortcomings. I think he's a good pick. Uh, his first half last season was actually pretty good. He only pitched twenty five innings in the second half, so uh, take the second half numbers with a grain of salt. But his FIP in the first half of last season was a three five eight. Um, his X FIP, sorry, was a three eight nine. Uh, his K's were his K per nine was a little bit down, but it was still around ten. But his base on balls was down um, as well. So it, I I think you make a valid point that he had a career high in. Um, innings pitched and maybe he started waning down the stretch there because he only had 25 innings pitched so maybe they had a uh, innings limit on him but that first half he he looked pretty good so if that would if that is any indication of what type of pitcher he can be um again and and maybe he can get up there in innings uh I, i'd be taking a flyer as well yeah yep i agree um Actually, guy, right. We're gonna keep going right down the line. Tyler Glass now, right after him, another very interesting player. One fifty nine. He went over in the Chris Archer trade, one of the worst trades ever, like in recent memory. By the way, geez, the the uh, they got smoked yeah, they got smoked in that in trade. That trade. Uh, Austin that, Meadows, that the, Tyler Glass yeah. now. <laughs> Even the player to be named later was like phenomenal. Um, but anyway, Tyler Glass now was a totally different pitcher 
when he um when he went to Tampa Bay. I mean, change of scenery does some guys well. It did him very well in August. Three five two Sierra, twenty eight percent strikeout rate, eight percent walk rate. Um, he threw in a lot of uh, breaking pitches. You know, he has a great fastball. He started throwing his curveball, a slider, and um, they're going to try to mix them in a lot more this year. I mean, I think the projections right now have him around like a three eight six ERA with around a ten to eleven K per nine. I think a three five ERA and around like a north of a 30% strikeout rate is completely possible. Um, you know, the, the the Rays do weird things as far as the opener and everything uh, that you got to worry about. But Tyler Glass now, I mean, for this late, I loved what I saw when he came over. And I think he's uh, I think he's going to take a big step forward this year. And Tyler Glass now is one of my favorite late-round guys. Yeah, I, perfect. I mean, perfect description. And, I, God, I, they got – oh, Pittsburgh. Um I just – I don't really have anything to add. He, he looked fantastic in Tampa Bay, and we'll, we'll see what he can do in, in a full season. But, yeah, he's definitely a late-round flyer. I'm I'm more than willing to take um, just because of what he showed. Yeah. Uh, moving down, Rick Porcello. No, boo. Hashtag never Rick Porcello. Uh, Nate Eovaldi, Rich Hill. Mirror image of his mirror images of each other. Uh, two of the best pitchers in baseball if they could just stay healthy, especially Rich Hill. My God, if this guy could stay healthy and pitch 200 innings of healthy innings with no blisters, I mean, he's a top 10 pitcher. People don't realize that he's that good. I, I mean, I'll, I'll look up his player. I mean, this is me just saying this without looking up his player page at all. And now I have to like look up some stats. But Rich Hill is one of the best pitchers in baseball. It's like insanity. Um, was it in 2016 uh, in 110 innings, 212 ERA with a 239 FIP? Uh, 2017, these are all the ones where he has like the injuries mixed in. His overall numbers 332 ERA, 366 ERA, all with like 11, 10 Ks per nine. But the stretches where he has no problems at all, he just wipes you out. And he is just one of the truly like best pitchers in the league. So when you're drafting him, you got to know you're only getting a half a year out of him, maybe. Um, so, I mean, you just got to know you're going to, you're going to have to mix and match, which is why he's going around 175. But I mean, if you could pair him, um, and get him late to just, uh, to, to pitch him when he can go. I mean, Rich Hill is one of the best there is. Same with Nate Eovaldi. He turned it around last year, but he has a long injury history. If these two could keep it together for an entire season and be the pitchers we've seen them to be, um, you have absolute steals here, but there is plenty of risk. When you draft them, I mean, you never know. Well, you draft either of them, you may you may get you may get uh, you know 160 innings, but you may only get 80. Uh, you never know. Uh, so that's just basically the two you know two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. Injuries. That's I'm taking Kyle Freeland. Kyle Freeland. <laughs> oh, we're gonna talk about Kyle Freeland now. All right, what do you like yes. about Kyle Freeland that I can't just like shoot down as being completely lucky? Oh no, he's, he was pure luck last season. But he might he also might be a uh I mean I'll I'll say this. He he's a lot like Miles Mikolas was last season. Who has a 285 Babip in cores? I- hey, listen, he, he I mean even he, it's not like he's had like this super high Babip in cores. I mean even even in 2017 he had a 308. 
I know, but like, I don't know, the league average is like 320 there, I think. But that's just... Well, it's fine, but he, I mean, he still had, I mean, in 156 innings in 2017, he only had a 308 bat pip. No, it's... I mean, he got he got better, and his second half, I believe, was phenomenal last season. Uh, let me look this up. Real While quick. you're doing that, it's just something interesting for everyone. Is, is gr- Actually, his entire season was phenomenal. His, just his okay. ground ball rate when he was younger is 64%, 61%. And double A was 51%. Triple A is 53%. He came up in 2017 is 54% almost. Last year, 46% in his best year. You think of cores, you want to keep the ball on the ground. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, he did. And eight, not, not nearly 8. as high. 8.5% but... home run to ball, ball ratio. Course yeah. field. I mean, eight, granted, like you said, um, in the year before, it was only 125 So there's... It's not going to be too bad, but I mean, two eight five ERA you can obviously throw out the window. Um, yeah, I think I. Agree I mean, that. I think, I think he's more realistically sitting between his fifth from last year and his ERA from twenty seventeen. If I had to project him out, I would say he's he's a four ERA guy, um, and he's not giving you many strikeouts, and he's still in course field. So that's why I'm not excited to draft him because I just. I think you're drafting on hope, but so many things could go wrong and he doesn't have like the strikeouts to kind of like, there's some guys where even if they stink, they maybe can like pad the stats with some strikeouts, but I just, Freeland just doesn't have that. So I'm just so afraid to take him. I'd much rather, I'd much rather gamble I, on the other Colorado crew. I'll, I'll say this, like his ground, his ground ball rate was down. Um, and somehow his home run to fly ball rate was down as well, which in itself doesn't make any sense. But I mean, his previous two seasons or, or, or last season, sorry, in 2017, he had a 53.9% ground ball rate. Um, in 2016, he was around 52%, like you said, and then it's 46% last season. So I definitely think that is an anomaly. Um, he is a ground ball pitcher. Obviously, that's why the Rockies like him. Um, I think that'll come up again, which will help out um, with with the luck in terms of that. Um, they do have a fantastic infield, so that that's definitely helpful um, with that bat Um So yeah, I, I think I agree. I don't. I think. I, I still think he's going to get below a four ERA, uh, but like you said, he's he's just not a strikeout pitcher. He's more of a contact pitcher, um, but he doesn't he doesn't give up hard contact. Uh, he generally gets decent ground ball uh, ratio, so we'll see about that. Um, so yes, he he's I think he's better than some of these statistics say, but he's definitely not what he was like. Here, I don't mean this to be sound as grim as it's probably going to sound, but I think this is an accurate description of who he is for everyone who doesn't know Kyle Freeland. He's a poor man's Dallas Keuchel who pitches at Coors Field. I, I can get behind Which that. is, I think, and you're, I mean, if everyone's not familiar with Kyle Freeland, that's that's the, the what you're expecting here is like, you're kind of taking... You're taking his best stuff. You're, you're te- kind of taking the edge out of, of some of his best stuff because you're at cores, but then you're also not getting strikeouts. So it's just like, I don't know. I mean, you're go- he's going I, around. I, I'm I'm obviously a little bit higher than than you on yeah. him. I don't think two, I, 285 is not representative of who he is. 
I think probably his ceiling next year is mid threes, but you're probably looking at closer to a four ERA. He's a contact pitcher. That's just who he is. He's not going to get you strikeouts, but at the same time, he just doesn't get hit hard. Mm-hmm. So that BAPIP, I think, I think is real. I think you're going to sit around a 300 BAPIP, which is fantastic for Coors. Yeah, well, it's possible. Um, we're at that part of the draft. He did it two years in a row. He did it. It's possible. It's two to two years in a row. Hey, I'm going to, you know, um, I'm not going to bet you on him because I don't know what kind of bet we can make, but. I don't either. <laughs> I don't. I'm just, I'm just I'm saying not gonna, I'm not, I'm not as grim as him on him as you are yet. I I'm just saying he, he's not as good of a pitcher as he was last season, but he's not as bad as you're saying. I'm not really, and I'm I not really trying he, to say he's bad. I guess this is the main thing for me. I don't like pitchers at Coors Field who don't strike people out. It's two strikes. Okay. It's no, two no, no. strikes that I'd rather move on to another pitcher in fantasy baseball. It's not against him as a real pitcher. Good enough. Like in real life, I'd love to have him. But in fantasy, he's a Coors Field pitcher who doesn't strike people out. And for me, that's two things I can't hear in the same sentence and still be happy. (laughs) No, I mean, that's perfectly fine. I mean, I think I view him a lot like Miles Mikolas, where it's just he's not going to get you – the numbers that you're looking for. He Mikolas at the very least will give you a, probably a lower ERA, but he's still not going to give you strikeouts, uh, but he's not going to walk. A, well, I guess, I mean, even, even um, Freeland walks a ton of people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I mean, I agree. He's not a great fantasy pitcher. I think he's a, he's a good real life pitcher. He's just not a good fantasy pitcher. Yeah. Um, We've gone a little long here, so we're gonna rapid fire suit some of the later guys here. I know you want to. We want to talk about some of them. you. Say, I, I'm gonna butcher this name. You say Kikuchi? Is am I even close? Are you in a what? position to even tell me if I'm close? You nope. say Kikuchi, Kikuche, Seattle. Um, uh, the the uh, sign, Seattle signed him this off season. I watched yeah, yeah, him I, in a spring training make Joey Votto look like a complete jackass, <laughs> striking him out, and that is hard to do. Um, he is another guy. He's not going to strike out like a million people, but uh, for, again, 178, if you want to take a flyer on somebody, this guy, I mean, I don't know a whole ton about him. I've only gotten to watch what limited amount of, uh, you know, I've seen in spring training. Uh, I've read a little bit about him. But you know, there's not all there's not much I can really add to him other than he looks pretty good. And if you're at this point in the draft and you want to take a flyer on somebody, um, you know, he's probably uh, from what I can tell, he's probably going to end up with around like a four ERA um, and strike out maybe close to nine per nine Ks per nine. Um, so he's just you know he's an interesting guy you can throw out there, uh, Andrew Heaney. Was a guy I really liked. Now he's dealing with freaking injuries uh, like he always is. He's going to be out until May uh, with discomfort. Uh, Joey Lucchesi, Hunjin Ryu, um, someone we talked about earlier. Same thing with Rich Hill and Eovaldi. If if Ryu ever pitched an entire season, he could be in. The, he could get Cy Young votes, but he never does. Um, yeah. You know the 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 Dodgers won't be abusing the DL as much this season, but. Uh, you know, it's it's just a thing. You draft him, you're gonna get just some of the uh, some of the innings that you hope for, and you're gonna have to combine them with other guys. Jose Quintana, nothing really to say there. 
Jesus Lazardo. I love this kid. Um, do you know how many pitch, how many um, times in the minor leagues he's thrown over five innings? None. One. He's Jeez. not hurt though. They just always take. I don't know if you look at the game log. Five innings. Five innings. Five innings. Five innings. Five innings. Five innings. They never let this guy go past five innings. He's gonna maybe make the opening day rotation. But his innings limit is going to be capped so hard because of the way they have handled him that it's tough to really, unless you're in a really deep league, if you're in a typical standard league, it's tough to draft Lazardo. I mean, you can try, if he's going to make the opening day rotation, by all means, pick him up, start him. He can do well and then maybe try to move him on later. But there's a 0% chance this kid pitches the entire season as a starting pitcher. It's not going to happen. Anything to add, sir? Nope, sorry. Yeah, you got nothing. All right, I'm gonna I'm nope. gonna I'm gonna rip through some more of these guys. John No, no, I, I actually want to talk about John Gray. John Gray, let's do it. What's wrong with him? Uh that I don't know. I think he's in his own head. Um he he's definitely got some mental things going on. But and uh, the guy the guy had a five one two ERA, which is wild. <laughs> five one two. So, uh, but I'm going to tell you how unlucky he got. 408, 408 FIP, which isn't great. 347 XFIP. 368 Sierra. So he definitely didn't pitch as bad as um, his his ERA leads you to believe. I mean, his BAPIP was down from um, 2017. His, his home run to fly ball ratio... Uh, jumped pretty high, which I think was a major issue. But I mean, his strikeouts were up, his walks were down. Um, so I, I think the biggest issue with this was his home run to fly ball ratio. And let me look up on baseball. So I would don't know why I closed this out. What an idiot I am. Yeah, I concur. Hey, that's mean. Don't, <laughs> don't say things I like that. I can make fun of me. You can't make fun of me. Um, what was I looking at? Even even his meatball percentage was up, so I I just I don't know what to make of him. Like he pitched fine last season, but his ERA was just up, and I think he's due for a monster bounce back because in 110 innings in 2017 he had a 3670 RA 3.18 FIP 3.45 XFIP his home run to fly ball ratio was 11% BAPIP was 3.36 so it was higher than his and, and, and for his career this goofy bastard pitches better at Coors Field than he does on the road yeah. makes no sense but i mean he's got plus pitches across the board i mean his slider's plus um his uh fastball is a plus pitch like he's a good pitcher i just he got so unlucky last season and like you said era is kind of a king when it comes to fantasy and really just baseball in general which is wild because when when you're talking about a a um, sport that basically developed advanced metrics but i mean his his peripherals look fantastic I think he's due for a monster bounce back this yeah. season because he pitched 172 innings last year, and he, but they uh, shut him down for a little bit and sent him down to the minors. So, if he, I mean, I think his ceiling's 
200 innings, three f- mid threes ERA this season. And if he can keep around a 10 K per nine, you're getting him at where are we at? 202. And honestly, he's got the stuff to be like a top 20 pitcher. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, he, this is my ultimate flyer here. Like just because all of his, all everything I'm looking at tells me he just got extremely unlucky last season. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, everything looks like he was unlucky, but um, yeah, he's interesting. Uh, it's, it's interesting because the, uh, the luck just continued the entire season. He was even sent down. Yeah, it was, like, that was wild. Like it was, it was such a crazy season. And that was like the one stat that just kept coming up was, yeah, look at his ERA, but look at his FIP, XFIP, Sierra. Like nothing makes sense. He just sense. seems so prone to like melt down at big moments too, though. So I definitely think oh, there's yeah. just a, a mental thing plays a big thing. When you mix bad luck and a mental attitude that is uh, not going to overcome, uh, hopefully he just comes back in this year with a more positive attitude to deal with certain situations. Because I think it was just a combination of the things that just are a perfect storm of, of, of terrible stuff. Uh, we are running near two hours now, which I'm sorry, everybody. We are just excited about starting pitching. Uh, so I, I do want to cruise through just some names rapid fire style um, just to get them out there so we can end the show around two hours. Ross Stripling. Um, last year, 302 ERA, 299X FIP with 10K per nine. He was not going to be very interesting this year, but as a SPARP, you know, he's a starting pitcher who could you could use as a relief pitcher. Uh, but with Clayton Kershaw in doubt, you know, keep an eye on, um, you know, any of the DL spots for uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Ross Stripling becomes a great draft pick because if he's going to pitch, he's going to play very well. Uh, so Ross Stripling's really good. Colin McHugh was coming out of the bullpen last year for Houston. He's going to be back in the rotation right now. You can get him a pound pick 230 uh, in drafts, uh, Stripling at 217. Colin McHugh can get 230. Uh, he's going to be right in the middle of that Houston rotation. He's another fantastic pickup. Tyler Skaggs for the uh, the mm-hmm. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Um, he actually pitched very well and then uh, got injured. He came back. He could not um, completely get his stuff back together. Uh, he had a career-high strikeout rate, a little bit of home run regression, and all of his individual pitches um, showed major improvement. Um, I think he increased the usage of his changeup from uh, 9% to 13%. And his ground ball rate, um, I think, uh, ground ball rate for using his curveball was around 65%. So, I mean, if he comes in this year, he's a nice sleeper. Uh, he had, you know, near 9K per nine, a little over that. I think he can get down into the mid threes ERA. It'd be a real sleeper. Um Moving on, Kevin Gaussman, right after him at 239 in the draft. When he got traded over from Baltimore to the Braves, he was a completely different pitcher. Uh, first half, he had a 280 batting average against a 344 Woba. The second half, 233 with a 292 Woba. Um, just complete uh, change of scenery. And he's a different player. He was dealing with a little bit of injury at the beginning of uh, spring training. So you want to keep an eye on that. He came back up and got lit up, but. Uh, Kevin Gaussman is another really, really good option. Uh, Josh James of Houston, he was supposed to be a, a – uh, 
in the mix for the fifth starter position for the Astros, but an early injury in spring training took him out of it. I think it was a quad injury. But he will be the first up, not Forrest Whitley. If they need a need, Josh James will be up, and he'll be a fantastic option for everyone. Jimmy Nelson from the Milwaukee Brewers is going at 260. He was having a breakout season before being um, shut down, and he's been out for over a year and a half now. He is back. He threw 95, 96 in spring training his last outing, and he's going to be ready to go to the start of the season. There is not a better guy you can take with an end of draft pick than Jimmy Nelson, folks. This guy is a number one starting pitcher, and you can get him a pick 260. I'm sure there'll be a little bit of pains getting back to where he used to be, but he's throwing he's throwing 96, and I absolutely uh, I absolutely love what he's doing. Anyone you want to add to the uh, as I rip through these names? No, I'll keep going. Oh, keep going. All right, we got Chris Paddock. If you're watching spring training, you know spring training darling. Uh, he looks like he's gonna. It looks like he's gonna make the rotation. Robbie Erling is pitching opening day, so we're trying to see. You got to keep an eye on what San Diego is gonna do with their starting rotation. If they're gonna send some of these guys to the minors or not. If Chris Paddock makes the rotation, he's been just lights out. And my spring training doesn't mean a whole lot, but the way he's been pitching just completely lights out. Keep an eye on him. He's going around pick two seventy one. Renato Lopez, you know, 279. All of his numbers were smoke and mirrors last year. If you look at his ERA, do you not believe them? Brad Peacock, going at 288, one of the best um, relief pitchers the uh, Houston Astros have had. Did really well when using the rotation. He's going back in the rotation this year as the favorite to be the fifth starter. He's going around pick 288, 292. Annabelle Sanchez. Um, he came from the grave to have an unbelievable year last year. Do I believe he'll repeat it? Hell no. But, you know, he's still in the National League. He's going around pick 292. If you want to take a flyer, you can. Or you can take a flyer on Sonny Gray. Pick later, 293. This guy um, had an amazing away numbers when he was a Yankee. Like, he was a very good pitcher on the road, and now he's pitching for Cincinnati for his old pitching coach, no less. So, Sonny Gray makes for an excellent bounce back candidate. You can get around 293. I do have one actually, and of course um, Zach Eflin, three hundred nine. We already talked about him. Yeah, um, you, you skipped oh, Robbie over... Erlin, not Zach Eflin. My bad. <laughs> you still skipped over Marco Gonzalez. Oh yes, Marco. Um, yeah. So first and foremost, he caught me when I was in high school. For uh, his his dad was my pitching coach. So there's that little tidbit. I know who Marco. I know Marco Gonzalez. Is that the only me. reason you went back to talk about him? No, it's not. Um, <laughs> so he had a, he had a four O ERA last season, but his uh, FIP was three four three. X FIP was three five nine. Sierra was three eight one. So he definitely pitched better than his numbers say. He's going to give you around eight, uh, eight uh, K per nine. His uh, walks last season were below two per nine. Uh, home run to fly ball ratio was down as well. Um, so when he is going 260 overall. He's not going to give you uh, gaudy numbers, but he's going to give you very good numbers. Um, so he's definitely a guy I'm keeping an eye on as well. Okay. And who do we got left? Who, who Who's left uh, that was interesting to talk about? Um, I think we pretty much named – I mean, there's so many different guys. There's obviously a million starting pitcher, Matt Stram for San it's Diego. Just, it's kind of it's crazy to see – just go through these and see, like, what guys – like, Julio Tehran was talked about as, like, a, an elite pitcher at one time. Steven Matz, I know that probably hurts you a little bit, was talked about to be part of that, like, that 
supreme pitching talent in the minors uh, years ago for the New York Mets. It's just kind of funny to w- go through these and be like, oh, that guy, God, he died. Uh, <laughs> um, who else was in here? Um, who did I just see Carlos Rodon going really late. Like, it's just, it's kind of funny to see the guys that have fallen off after being hyped up. The um, two guys I wanted to mention right before we left off were Derek Rodriguez and Trevor Williams. Really good years last year. Really good ERA, especially Williams. Nothing about what they did suggests anything other than they're going to be way worse this year. Negative regression city for both of them. I'm not saying they won't be fine. There is a reason they're going this late in championship leagues. Um, All the metrics are suggesting they're going to be taking a huge step backwards. They were very lucky. Uh, and they're also pitching for for kind of inferior teams. And the one last person is Mike Miner, who actually statistically has shown that he actually took a step up. And he's still in Texas, which isn't the greatest park. But don't forget about Mike Miner. I mean, he was so good at one point, and he just had snake bitten by injuries. But he is back now. He looked good at the end of uh, last season. And if you need to take a flyer on the end of your bench – or you want to like throw a guy onto your watch list. Don't forget Mike Miner is a thing. Um, that's pretty much the last guy I really want to throw uh, throw my flag on. I mean, there's certain guys like Justice Sheffield who had great springs that are already sent to the minors. Josh James, we talked about Forrest Whitley. There's, there's guys that you need to keep an eye on for coming up later um, in the league. But uh, overall, those are the guys you want to concern yourself with. I was just trying to try to come up with some last minute guys to throw on your back. Oh, Caleb Smith, Miami. Another guy to draft at the very end. If you're in a deep league and only must own, obviously um, he is just an underrated uh, strikeout pitcher for the Miami Marlins. Not going to give you much in the wins department, but he's having a fantastic spring and he's going at the very, very, very end of all drafts. So Caleb Smith, don't forget about him either. Any other, uh, any other dart throws you want to throw our viewers away before we sign off? <sighs> I mean, I was going to say Vince Valesquez. He, he probably had the best season of his career last season just in terms of uh, FIP, ex-FIP, Sierra, but it might have been too good to be true. So you might want to avoid him. His um, home run to fly ball dropped uh, precipitously. Um, his bat pip was actually up. So, I mean, he, he might be decent. He's He had a near 10K per nine. Like I said, his FIP was 375. His ex-FIP was uh, 4.12. Uh, Sierra was a 4.0, but his ERA was a 4.85. So um, he might be a dart throw uh, that late um, if you can get the Ks and if those um, peripheral numbers are uh, true. Yep. All right, well, that does it for the incredibly long starting pitching episode. Um, we're going to tell you about this online, but if if you don't know what Clipcast.app is, you should. Um, you can type and you basically go to Clipcast.app and it's a search engine just like Google, but for podcasts. Uh, and they, they transcribe all fantasy podcasts. So uh, if you want to talk about and listen to any of the starting pitchers in this one, you just type in. You know, you just type in Jimmy Nelson into uh, to Clipcast, and it'll bring up a clip of the show or other uh, podcasts if you're into that weird shit. Um, 
and it'll, it'll just bring up this a, a targeted clip of the actual person you want to hear. Uh, you know, it's fantasy baseball, fantasy football. You know, if you want to listen to Sam's podcast, uh, Dino Diagnostics, they're on there. Uh, for if you're into fantasy football, but anyway, uh, with episodes this long, we'll probably tag a few clips so uh, you guys can uh, enjoy this episode if you can't sit down and listen all two hours of it. So, do you have anything else to add before we sign off? NCAA tournament? Are you excited? Um, no, no. What? What are you? Are you Base, not American? Are you not American? No, I am. I just all my my focus has kind of gone down into football and baseball. It's the NCAA tournament. Fill out. You got to fill. Do you at least fill out a bracket? Uh, I might not this year. We'll see. I had it. I had. A, I, I had a NCAA tournament selection party last night. I was at it. Just sit there, Good watch, watch the show. We'll see where everyone, see where everyone lands. Oh my god, I love the NCAA tournament. Whatever. We'll. I'll have to talk about that with someone else. I guess. All right, everybody. Yep, you will. We are done. Starting pitchers are in the books. We got our listener leagues coming up. There's some guys talking trash on Twitter, no. telling us they're gonna they give us the cutthroats gesture. None of that. This is a play. You know, yeah, this is supposed to be yeah, fun. Now don't threaten us. our lives. Good lord, Jesus! And I meant that in a good way. So uh, anyway, yeah, we'll be back next week with a recap of the draft, and we'll run down probably you know things that happened in spring training that we uh, we really liked it'll be uh the home stretch right before opening day so it's almost here i'm excited everyone's getting excited me too i'm very excited all right we are out of here hope you enjoyed the show we'll see you next week bye-bye okay bye love you i need the truth i need knowledge found this podcast with all of it but what they call it turn two turn two what they do Win leaks. Win leaks. Catch out. Catch out.